0: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. NFL
1: Division Round Playoff Edition with my wise guy head-to-head matchup, Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell, and guys, we are diving deep, handicapper, batter style, into the division round. Four games. Best bet from Fez and me, both on the same game, on the same team. A double best bet. Matty Holt doing vice presidential type things for the biggest bookmaker in Vegas today, but he took the time to give us a detailed written smart money report. And that's something we'll be talking about on each and every game. And Hey, we are here ready to grind. First game. Saints, Vikings, Vikings favored by four and a half now at home. There's been some money on Minnesota. Fez, you like Minnesota.
2: And I think important to note to everyone who's listening, RJ, we're going to go in reverse chronological order as we always do, right? Yeah, great point. So if somehow you make the mistake of not
1: listening till Sunday morning, well, your two Sunday games going to be right at the front.
2: Hint, hint, though, the best bet is a Saturday game. Absolutely. Let's go to this Sunday game. I do like the Vikings. You know, all year long, I've had these two teams pretty equally rated as my two top teams in the NFC. And I do think they've had fairly comparable years. I like the Vikings now because I'm very concerned about what I've seen from the Saints defense the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to use one stat that not that many people are looking at. Third down conversions. The Saints defense against Tampa Bay. This was week 17. They gave up 13 of 18 third down conversions. That is just egregiously bad.
1: Now there was motivation for the saints, right? Cause they, uh, it was them in Carolina going for the division. Do I remember
2: right? Right. If the saints won, they locked up the division. If they lost, they needed help. Now they lost the game and they did get health, but help, but they played with motivation. They played completely motivated and they gave up. They just got taught. Tort- didn't give up. They, they gave up 13 of 18 third down conversions, which is horrendous. And then against Carolina, Cam Newton, who certainly can struggle on the road, gave up eight of 17 third down conversions. So this is 60% that they've given up the last two weeks. Let me put this in context. The Vikings for the year, they're the number one third down conversion defense. They've only given up 25% the whole year. And this is what's really telling consistency, RJ. First time since 1991 when they started tracking this. Every game, the Vikings defense has held their opponents to 40% or fewer third-down conversions. Say that again? Every game, the Minnesota Vikings defense has held their opponents to under 40% in their third-down conversions. This season. This season. Okay, okay. I thought you went back to 1991. (laughs) I did go back to 1991.
1: Meaning no other team in a season in all those seasons since 91 has achieved this.
2: Correct. So now I'm cherry-picking my stat, but I could make... By that stat, this is the best defense in the NFL since 1991.
1: Well, best third down defense, right? (laughs) Yes. Now, here's the question. Third down defense is a smaller sample size than total defense. And we always tend to default to when the big sample size says something and a smaller sample size says something else, we trust the bigger sample size. So where do you rank Minnesota's defense overall?
2: Well, I actually have them number one in the NFL. You have them number one. What does that mean? On oh, net yards per play? From a net yards per play, they're number one. And okay. also, I really feel that they've got I've them got them number two at, at Jacksonville. So uh, same thing,
1: but 5.1 yards for Minnesota, 5.0 for Jacksonville at the end of the regular season.
2: Yes. And I love the consistency at home. The Vikings, this is remarkable, RJ. Their first three home games, they gave up two touchdowns. Then their last five home games, they only gave up one. That is one consistent defense. They don't take games off.
1: And I'll tell you this. I think the ability to throw on third and 12, and if you're on offense, make that first down. And if you're on defense, prevent that first down, is what the NFL is the most about in 2017-18. So I, I, I think... And we talked about it last week and some people said, oh, you guys spent a lot of time on that quarterback talk. Maybe, maybe we should have tightened it up a little bit. But man, oh man, I think the wisdom of it is starting to show, right? So our rationale was who are the franchise level top 10 quarterbacks and and not being something with the stats this year because that's what we're going to get into with Keenum. His stats this year are outstanding. The question is, If we would redraft the entire league, would Keenum for next season only because we don't want age to overly dictate because it really we don't want it to dictate at all because it's just how good you are now is what matters. Right. Is if Tom Brady's out of the league in three years, doesn't change how good he is right now. So I don't want that draft hypothetical to affect that. But I don't think anyone would think Keenum's drafted as one of the first 10 quarterbacks for next season
2: agreed he's basically a journeyman that's had a dream season in many ways it's similar to nick Foles when he had that breakthrough year back in 2013 and then he went right back to being nick Foles again so that may well happen in september of next year but right now keenum has 22 touchdowns seven interceptions he is playing like a top 10 quarterback this year probably this year only but here's the question is
1: the idea that this year is a small sample size relative to his career and that you expect, or you wouldn't be surprised at all if this isn't his true current level, but rather he's overplayed, he's played above his head. Why would he be any more inclined to drop off the first game next year as opposed to this game? Meaning if someone is playing above their true level, And this is their true level as of today, because guys can get better or worse at things, right? So if God came down and said, here is Keenum's true level today. Now, there's a chance this is his true level today, right? Who's to say he didn't wake up one day, figure out something that he hadn't figured out? Maybe he's eating the paleo diet. Who knows what, right? So we're not certain this isn't his current true level, are we? So I think, history says it's unlikely.
2: History says it's unlikely. We can't be absolutely certain. Can I use a baseball player analogy? Go ahead. So you have a guy who hits 20 home runs for eight straight years. And then he hits 40 home runs going into the last week of the season. If you asked me. Steroids. If you ask me. well, and He's juicing. He's, he's on the stuff. He's found stuff that he doesn't the get clear. busted for. If you ask me how likely is it that he's going to hit a home run that final week of the season, I would base it upon his 40 home run season or something just below that. But if you ask me, set a number on how many home runs is he going to hit the next year, I would say, oh, it's coming way down, maybe 30.
1: Yeah, but I, I think that one is is more about, as we've historically seen, that kind of jump, people were were taking something. Cannonball it. And then one more and he's right on top of cannonball, cannonball, coming. cannonball, cannonball
2: coming. <laughs> they were taking something, <laughs> but maybe he's, maybe he's taking something this year. And, and, and again, if
1: you the funny thing is if somehow we knew someone that said, oh yeah, you know, Keenum's on the stuff. And again, we're talking hypothetically here. We would be ecstatic, right? would be like, oh, like, all right. Now we see why he's doing so much better. It would make some
2: set or if he went to Germany for a platelet transfusion or something. Right. You know, one thing that's really helped them, obviously, is Minnesota is not a big market team. So you've got Thielen is having a great year. For but doesn't receiver. that make
1: you think that with the bright, bright lights of the playoffs that and that's another point. If there's any game that Keenum's going to melt where this because let's be candid. It wasn't even six, seven weeks ago. There was still talk. Of, hey, is he Bridgewater going to replace him? So this idea that, oh, he's having a career year and it feels somewhat sustainable is
2: newish. I'm not as worried when he's playing at home and he's got the comforts of the environment that he's used to.
1: I'll well, never have to play on the road this year, right? Might have to play at Philly. Oh, that's true. I, I didn't think of that, but they still would be favored at Philly for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So Minnesota will be favored in every that's what I was thinking. They will be favored in every game. Now the debate in the Super Bowl might be pick 'em, they might be you know, I don't think, you know, we got a bet on that, right? So, but it's going to be around pick 'em. So, you know, Minnesota's not going to be an underdog any game the rest of the year.
2: They will not be. And I really think that our bet is that the uh if it's pick 'em, it's a push, but I bet RJ that two, and I lay 2 to 1 and i really think minnesota is going to close a one or one and a half point favorite against new england if they play new england
1: well wow, you got i mean think about that how good i'm getting 2 to 1 and if the pats are favored you got to pay me 2 to 1
2: i like my chances <laughs> i don't you know, think you like them as much as you do you know part of the reason is because the nfc is so stacked that Minnesota's power rating likely takes a bump if they get to the Super Bowl. Except also. Uh,
1: most likely, or there's a heck of a
2: chance, they'd either host Atlanta
1: or go to Philly. Not going to bump it that much. Uh,
2: you still you win at Philly, you still get a bump. Whereas New England could play two fairly lousy games, just get by, their power rating goes what? down, and they still get the Super Bowl. All
1: right. Well, listen, you made the bet, so you obviously like it. I, I think most people would rather be getting, if the Pat, think about the bet now. If the Pats play Minnesota, And if the game closes, pick him. It's a moot point. But if the Pats close favored, you pay me two to one. And if the Vikings close favored, you get, you know, one unit. The idea that there's a 67% chance that if there's a favorite, it's going to be Minnesota. Come on. Oh, I think so. (laughs) I think so. Moving on. So Keenum career year question is. Does it continue? And if it does, then I think the big question mark is answered because that is, I mean, what else? That's an interesting question. Other than Keenum keeping this up, what other real question marks are there for Minnesota?
2: Oh, experience. We don't have any playoff experience. We're playing the Saints that do. We got Drew Brees, who's won a Super Bowl. There's an enormous experience advantage for the Saints. And that, of course, is a major concern. You know, Michael Lombardi, I'm a huge
1: fan of his. Um, and I listened to his pod and at the ringer and all that, you know, Belichick's right-hand man for many years. And he says he doesn't believe in playoff experience. He says, you know, how much experience did Lawrence T- Taylor have, you know? And and I, I think, now you know, it's kind of funny because if you're with the Patriots, you'd want to kind of believe in it, right? For all those years, because you've, you've got so much experience, right? With Brady and Belichick. So doesn't mean I don't think it matters, but I think teams will you know when they get momentum, it feels like it doesn't i mean Seattle right when they it, when when this not dynasty but when this Seattle team as it's you know currently constituted, but it looks like it's kind of breaking up a little bit, I mean that Super Bowl year was what their second year in the playoffs have to look it up, yeah,
2: I mean. I will say there are trends. I don't want to disagree with Lombardi because he knows far more about the X's and O's and everything goes on on the football field than I. But if you blindly bet a quarterback with substantial playoff experience against a newbie quarterback that does not have it, that's been like a 60% trend approximately.
1: Against the spread? Yes. Hmm. Interesting.
2: All right. But you like Case Keenum here. I like the Minnesota Vikings. I like that Vikings elite defense. And I like that home field advantage that is 12 and four in their new stadium against the spread. Of course, the Vikings have been very good against the spread period. But remember, we always talk about when we have two elite teams playing the elevation of the home field advantage. I give the Vikings three and a half for home field. It might be worth four here.
1: Yeah, I I think most home fields go up in the playoffs. And what did you think of the Rams home field? I mean, obviously they lost the game last week, but we were debating. Did it
2: feel like it went up? It went up, but it was less than three before the playoffs. Maybe it was two and three quarters instead of two to two and a half during the regular season.
1: All right. So your rationale is, and if we look at your power ratings, and those are available up at pregame.com every Wednesday in the forums. And we've got all 32 teams with the playoff teams bolted so you can glance easily so you've got Minnesota six and a half points better than an average team, number two, and you've got New Orleans five points better. So a point and a half.
2: Yeah, so, and I downgraded the Saints from five and a half to five, half point downgrade, despite their win. A lot of that's just that they've got five defensive injuries. So they're banged up on defense, and it's showing in their numbers, and I feel that they're certainly not they're probably a couple points worse on defense than they were maybe week 10, week 11, week 12. So bringing it back to the idea, if you're third and 12 breeze
1: gives you a heck of a chance, but that Minnesota D is historically good preventing it. Now you flip it around saints, 60% conversion rate on third down the last two games. And now the question is, can Keenum do it? So, we've talked about Minnesota not having playoff experience, but when it comes to coaching, Zimmer, you are very high on.
2: Yeah, I love Zimmer. I've got him rated my number two coach in the NFL. Him and Harbaugh, pretty much a push there. Doesn't really matter who his quarterback is. All the guy does is win. Remember what happened last year, too. Zimmer had that horrible eye ulcer, it was a real problem. He had multiple small operations. Um, during the season and then after the season to correct it. So that was a little bit of a distraction for him last year. It's good to see him back at full strength, and he really is pushing all the right buttons. Okay, now, he's not experienced, though, as a
1: playoff coach. And if I recall, right, he was with the Bengals, right? And they didn't have any. So does Zimmer, has he been on a staff with a playoff win? No, because the Bengals don't win playoff games. Yeah, but I mean, I, maybe as a position
2: coach, right? Maybe I mean, maybe so. It's been how long since his last playoff win? Well, it's is it his fault that Perfect like goes nuts and has a temper tantrum? Uh, well, he did coach him. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, the I, I'd be more. If it's conc- not his fault, whose fault is it? You know, I'm always more concerned with playoff newbies when they go on the road. So, how will the Vikings do on the road if they have to play the Eagles? That's where those bright lights. And the lack of experience, I think, can really catch up to you with the crowd noise much more so than being at home.
1: All right, so let's recap. You like Minnesota. I lean Minnesota. You think this Vikings defense is peaking. And the stat where there hasn't been one game this whole season where the opponents converted over 40% of third downs, first time since 90 or since they kept the stat, is that right, in 91? Correct. First team to do that. So consistent on those key third downs, great defense in general yards per play. Number two on defense. On the other hand, saints defense being so much better than past years has been the story of their season and the running game, I would say. And you're saying, Hey, look, they're banged up. It's not the big name players, but they're a little thin down on defense. And let's be candid. This defense is a surprise. It's not like they have a ton of depth on the saints. Thus, we think the saints aren't as good right now as they were at their high point of the season. you've only got them a half point. So on our Vegas rankings grid, we actually show the high point for the saints are six on the year. You've got them at five now. So they're down a point. Is that all defense? It's
2: all defense. You know, that offense of the saints is awesome. They got the two headed um, monster at running back and breeze can still absolutely spin it. One of the reasons I like the Vikings to be able to hold the Saints in check, the Saints have a huge edge on offense. If they play a team with a bad rush D, they can ground and pound. If they play a team with a bad pass D, they can throw. Minnesota has no weaknesses on defense.
1: Okay. Well, that's an interesting point because that, you know, Lombardi talks about playing left-handed and that's what you sometimes have to do in the playoffs. And I think the Saints in general have been able to do that, but like you said, against a, a historic defense might not matter. Last question about this game. Um, and when I say it might not matter, I mean that that Saints advantage might not matter. The fact they can run and pass on offense, the buy, how do we account for the buy? We're going to be talking about the Steelers and the fact they actually sat in week 17, many of their key players. So in a way it was a two week bye. I'm not a big fan of that is how did Minnesota handle the buy, and how do you typically handicap a buy in this round of the playoffs?
2: Usually give a team one point for the buy to be more well-rested. You know, one thing, I'm glad you brought up the buy, because I'm going to bring up two buys here. Minnesota had a buy back on November 5th, and then obviously they had a buy last week. The Saints had a buy early in the year, October 8th, so early in October. All the more reason why we could project that, hey, the Saints defense... Um, they're kind of running on fumes right now because they haven't had a buy in so long. And the Vikings arguably have had three buys because week 17 was a complete throwaway game against the bears.
1: No, I like that. That's a, that's an interesting stat. Um, one last question, bonus question. Saints at home. Unbelievable. We've talked about it this year. They were, uh, obviously good at home though, against the spread hit or miss, is this team on the road in general, the Saints will play on at home, play against on the road. How would you characterize this Saints team? Because they have a better D and can run more? Is Does that help them? I mean, obviously it does somewhat. I mean, for a team with the record of the Saints, 11 and 5, and a team that is five points better than the average team based on your power ratings, are they slightly below average on the road for a
2: team of like that? They're better than they were historically, where they're very vulnerable. And you nailed it. They can run. Kamara's a beast. Ingram's great. So if they play in bad weather, they're perfectly fine and situated on offense to be able to win in a bad weather city like Philadelphia. In this case, the weather will be fine, obviously, in the Dome in Minnesota. But the Saints team, part of their success, so much better on the road, built to win on the road for the first time in a long time. This year? Yes.
1: All right. So Fez likes Minnesota. Next game. The Steelers and Jacksonville. Steelers seven and a half, but actually down to seven in some spots. So we're taping Wednesday late, late, late afternoon here in Las Vegas at the pregame.com offices. Fez what, what's the consensus line right now?
2: 7.25. So a little, little extra juice above the seven. Well, actually, it's a freebie RJ. You can lay seven, lay a dollar ten. Or you can take seven and a half, and lay a dollar ten. It's go ahead and shop and get the very best number without laying extra Vig.
1: All right, let's get this out of the way first, one second. If only the offensive coordinator were talking to the quarterback, maybe. I'm not too optimistic. Man, I just keep thinking if Pittsburgh had beaten beat the Patriots not only are you home next week if you win but you get that war. if there's one upset in the prior round you get a team like the Titans I mean how much uh, I mean I
2: know Jacksonville is not a great team but I mean Jacksonville is much 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 better than Tennessee instead you're just going to go to New England and go down in flames just like Jesse James well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. That so, was a touchdown. You guys got cheated. Yeah. Well, you know, the rules are the rules. They are the rules. It wasn't a touchdown by the letter of the rules. And you know, as they say,
1: so on the game though, right? <laughs> you, get, you win some, you lose some. Now let's talk about this as if the line's seven, cause you actually like Pittsburgh here. You're not going to lay seven and a half. So uh, if you're getting seven and a half and you like Jacksonville, look at it from a different angle, but Fez, make your case.
2: Yeah. I really like Pittsburgh here and it's not built into my power ratings. My power ratings only have Pittsburgh two and a half points better than Jacksonville, but all the intangibles, I think scream Steelers. We've got a situation with Blake Bortles, much better at home than on the road. We saw him really struggle against at San Francisco and at Tennessee, but the narrative was, Oh, he was, he's been so good at home. He'll turn it right around. And then that game against the bills, I don't want to overreact to one game. It was 60 degrees, 18 mile an hour winds. He could not complete a pass. Short little routes underneath guys wide open. He's thrown into the ground. He's thrown it over their heads. Not ready for prime time. Blake Bortles, 87 pass yards, 88 rush yards. Because of that, how is he going to succeed in Pittsburgh and 18 degrees a team from Northern Florida? Okay, so
1: here's the question.
2: Bortles late
1: in the year had like a three or four week run that he was the best quarterback in the NFL statistically. You're aware of this, correct? Yes. All right. So what happened there? Cause it would seem even if that continued to some degree, you could say, well, he's playing from the front play action pass. They've got a lot of leads. I mean, was it that it was just ideal situations? Is it that the pressure of the playoffs? I mean, some guys just don't respond well to pressure because the narrative has gone back to Bortles being horrible. And and like you said, the wind, 60 degrees, not the pr- problem, but the wind, it would seem, is a huge problem for him. Now, Pittsburgh might have similar weather, but, you know, obviously colder. How do we, I think it's too much of a shortcut just to say, oh, Bortles is horrible. Like, what have you seen from him this season? And you've already talked to home away split.
2: I think you nailed it. Bortles isn't horrible, but Bortles is horrible when he doesn't have the lead. He gets jelly in the belly. He has so much problems, and there's been a lot of breakdowns of how he does when the game's on the line or Jacksonville is trailing, and he truly is a horrible quarterback. But you give him a 10-point lead, which they had in most of their home games at the second half of the year, he is very workmanlike and efficient. And I don't see that happening. I see him trailing in this Pittsburgh game and then making some egregious mistakes because of it.
1: So you think it's more, but they,
2: I mean, they were winning the game the whole game last week. Uh, the game was, it, no, it was back and forth. It was three. Well, first
1: three. of all, it can't be back and forth when the other team scored three points. It was
2: three, three late in the third quarter when they finally got a touchdown. Oh, it was. Okay. But for yeah. some reason I thought, yeah, I guess you're right.
1: I, did, I, I, I didn't I I did bet it, but I did like Jacksonville, so I, I was just kind of rooting and rooting.
2: He had the yips the whole game. He was like a golfer, RJ, that could not make a four-foot putt. You saw it. It was just remarkable, since he'd had Jacksonville, to see him missing those open receivers. So you think it's more about playing from behind than the playoff pressure? Yeah, I think it's in his head. I think that when this guy gets pressured, um, when I say pressured, not pressured by the defense, but the pressure of the game... When the lights get bright, he absolutely starts to panic.
1: Now let's talk about Haley and Big Ben. I mean, this seems a little off to me. They're not talking. So, have you read up on it? What what effect will this have, or do you expect this to have on the game?
2: I don't think it's going to have any impact. I think it. <laughs> I think they've been fighting for years, right? I've never heard. It them. seems like a different level. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think that I don't think much of Haley. But I'll say this. I think Haley's going to be forced into the right play calling in this game. When they played earlier in the year and Jacksonville blew out Pittsburgh and Big Ben threw five interceptions, four in the first half, two pick sixes, Pittsburgh was zinging the ball all over the field. And Jacksonville is a great pass defense and they're vulnerable against the run. It made no sense at all because of that game. And because I don't think much of Pittsburgh's innovative play calling, I firmly believe. It is going to be ground and pound with Bell in this game. And I do feel that is the right strategy to maximize your chance to win this game.
1: Now, we've got a situation where not only has the underdog beat the Steelers this year, they dominated them. How do you expect that to affect this game? I think there's multiple uh, possible effects.
2: Well, I think Jacksonville will be more confident that they can go it and win in Pittsburgh, having blown them out earlier in the year but I think Pittsburgh will be on absolute red alert that they know that this Jacksonville team is extremely dangerous. And I think big Ben who's been known to hold the ball too long to take too many chances will be on his best behavior, if you will, and not risk so many turnovers.
1: And you talked about hailing the game plan. It seems like this, the way they got beat and, and, and the interceptions, right? Five, uh, Pittsburgh against Jacksonville early in the year, you would think this might be like a fanatical amount of running, like almost say, Hey, we are going to like throw like 12 times today.
2: I think you got a real opportunity in prop bets here to bet bell to go over to bet big Ben under and probably bet a banged up. Who knows how healthy he'll be. Antonio Brown under as well. They're still going to put him up probably at 97 pass yards for this game.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So what would you guess is going to be bells over under for rushing?
2: He's always in the high 90s as well, which is a big number, but not if you get 30 carries. And remember,
1: I didn't love Tomlin resting the key players in week 17, but, you know, Bell had, you know, he started slowly, he held out, and then he had a heavy workload if you throw in the receptions, but having two full weeks off, the theory is it, it, he should have an unlimited number of carries, right? Right.
2: Yeah. And so because of that, he's going to be their workhorse, Uh, the logical handicap, which doesn't always work with a team like New England. You never know what Belichick might do. But Tomlin, I think Haley, much more predictable coaches, I really think they're going to come out and establish the ground game. Okay.
1: Okay. Pittsburgh's defense, a lot of people who never said the word Shazier, (laughs) weeks without saying Ryan Shazier's name. They said, oh, now that Shazier's out, you know, Pittsburgh's D not the same. Understanding they had a, a, a really tough run where it was the Bengals on Monday night in a war, then Baltimore, then Patriots. And obviously it was that Bengals game where Shazier's got hurt. Since that Patriots game, what have you seen from the offense or the defense?
2: Yeah, I think it's not as good without Chazier, but I think there's an overreaction to where people are saying, oh, you know, they're doomed without Shazier. I still think it's certainly a top 10 defense. And frankly, I'm not impressed with Leonard Fournette. He does not have the explosiveness I expected. And part of that, I think, is a rookie for Jacksonville. He's missed a few games, but still playing 14 games instead of 11 or 12 in college. It has worn on him. He seems to have lost a step.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he talked a lot about, oh, this is easy the NFL. And now it's like, wow, these are a lot of games, right? 16 versus any prior uh, non-professional season.
2: And remember he got that cheap 90 yard touchdown run when the uh, Steelers stacked the box back in week uh, five and they lost that game. So he had an eight yard run and then he had an 80 yard, you know, uh, dash to the end zone that shouldn't count in his stats as far as being predictive in this game.
1: Okay. So you actually look at this, and think derivative that too. So you like Pittsburgh, give us your derivative, which is a not a side, not a total, but another way to get value.
2: Yeah. And I did this last week. I'm going to do it again. It's uh, many of the same principles applied when Jacksonville played Buffalo. I went under seven and a half in the first quarter. I'm going to play under seven and a half in the first quarter in this game as well. Jacksonville, I feel is absolutely does not trust Blake Bortles against the bills. They just ran the ball and let their defense win the game. And they won, ultimately. Pittsburgh lost the game by chucking the ball down the field too much. I really feel that Haley, Big Ben, and company will be much more conservative to start this game. Need two scores to beat me. I'm going to go under the seven and a half. Hard to kick field goals also in Pittsburgh in 18-degree weather. We might get a cheap non-field goal when they choose to go for it instead of kicking a 45-yarder. Now, you were let's be candid. You were strutting around a little
1: bit on your... Uh, we'll give you a little victory...
2: You were strutting around with your under seven and a half last week. Yeah. You notice how I was quiet about the other (laughs) under seven and a half. I had three weeks ago that lost the U (laughs) said, do not bet this one people in the Eagles and giants. But yeah, that, uh, that under in Buffalo Jacksonville, that was a good call. (laughs) That's it. Just a good call. It was. (laughs) All right. So what would you, uh,
1: what would you lay here? Uh, under seven and a half. What's your max lay? Minus 138. 138? Yes. All right. You got it. You got it. Under seven and a half first quarter, minus 138 max. He also likes Pittsburgh. I've heard people saying whatever the weakness on the Steelers' D is that we saw against the Patriots, obviously, that Jacksonville's not suited to take advantage. So where Shazier was more about covering running backs and covering tight ends and his speed fastest linebacker in the league. I think there's some truth to that. I mean, this Jacksonville is an old school offense ground and pound. I think Steelers aren't particularly, you know, historically Pittsburgh has been great against that. I wouldn't say they're great, but would you rather if you're betting Pittsburgh face a old school team or a more modern offense?
2: Oh, old school completely. And also, In terms of coaching, I don't want to face a McVay or someone that could come up with some gimmick stuff that might confuse the Steelers. I don't see there being any chance of Barone coming in with um, a different formations and like to confuse the Steelers. And they can be confused. We'll probably see that in New England next week.
1: (laughs) Probably. Let's hope the Steelers win. Speaking of that, I am going to lean towards the Jags on the money line. Here's my thinking, and you've made the case. Bortles from behind is a big problem. Bortles from ahead is fine, it would seem, at least this season. And I think Jacksonville, and I've said this many times, when they have a 10 point lead, is one of the three best teams in the NFL. When they're down by 10, they're one of the, they're they're a below average team, like 16, 17, 18 type in the league out of 32. So me taking seven is saying, I expect the game to play in a way that I expect the opponent to truly gain margin against me because my team, in this case, the Jags doesn't play well when they're behind. So why would I want to play them as a big, uh, as a significant dog? I'd rather say, I know it's not going to happen all the time, but Hey, if it only happens 25% of the time, I'm getting plus 300 on the Jags and the football science of that, the way the game would play makes more sense, even though it's unlikely I'm getting the payoff to compensate for that.
2: It makes a lot of sense, except for I think that Pittsburgh minus seven is a 55% plus bet instead of a 50% plus bet. So you're kind of behind the eight ball. Yeah. But what I'm saying is
1: if someone's going to bet Jacksonville, they're going to bet Jacksonville no matter what, would
2: you agree that the money line is the way to go? You know, with a lower total and 18 degrees, the, the low total worries me, RJ, because with both teams running a lot, I'm not so sure that this variance is going to be as high as what most Jacksonville games might be.
1: Okay. I and you're saying at plus 300, that's not being accounted for? I don't think it, the,
2: the total's being accounted for. I will say this the books get hammered with, they're going to get hammered with Pittsburgh Steelers um, teasers. Because of that, if you do like the Jacksonville money line, how do the books get out of all that liability? They give you a juicy money line on the dog. This is one of those bets I'd consider making right before the games kick off.
1: Now, this is interesting. Let's go behind the curtains of the casino. Now explain that one more time. So we've got a situation where the spread at seven and a half, especially is prone to be teased down because it's going, it's an advantage teaser down through seven, And three, a six-point teaser. Right. All right. So they're going to get that action regardless. Yes. Well, there are some books on the south end of the strip that are paying – charge an extra vig. I mean, you know. And they're still
2: getting hit with the the teaser action. Well,
1: I I guess, you know, you can take advantage, I guess. I don't think that works in the long run. But um, all right. So here's the question. They're going to get a lot on the dog – or in this case, the favorite. I'm sorry – Tease down. So you're saying they make the underdog money line juicy because they want to entice dog action and figuring the money line and the tease are almost equivalent bets?
2: Yes. So they basically offset one another, especially if someone plays a seven point teaser, then it's exactly the same bet when you're teasing the Steelers from seven half down to half. That essentially is a money line bet on the Steelers. So they'll run a liability report. They'll say, oh my goodness, we got $200,000 basically on Steelers' money line. Let's go ahead and, and offer a juicy Jags' money line, say plus 330 or something, to get some action back in the other direction.
1: Wow, I've never heard that one. Now, do most books do that
2: or some? Some. The sharper books do. I'm Especially impre- playoffs where there's so much more action being bet on all these teasers. I'm impressed.
1: I've been betting for thirty years. I didn't hear that one. That is good. So, so if but it kind of means shopper. If you do like the jack,
2: shop around. You might get a juicy one. Absolutely. You know, and and a wise guy secret. I'll give it out. Some wise guys all they do this is to play teasers where they're taking the seven or the seven half down to a half at good teaser odds. They go to the places with the very best teaser odds, and then. On each game, when the games aren't kicking off at the same time, they play back the best money line plus the 335 in the other direction and actually scalp out a profit on each leg of their teaser. Okay, so is that is that positive EV theoretically? Yeah, because if you're playing a, a seven-team teaser and you're laying minus $1.20, you're only laying minus 280 implicit on the first leg. So if you can get plus 300 back, you're basically laying 280 and taking 300. That's profit, baby. Gotta love
1: it. Gotta love it. Last question on this game, Jacksonville's defensive stats against the run. And we talk, oh, run, run, run against them. But really, since they made the trade for uh, Marcel Darius, their run defense has improved. So how much do you believe? Like right now, where do you put Jacksonville as a rush defense?
2: Well, I did have them at the very top of the league. But the problem as a a rush defense. Oh, I'm sorry. As a rush defense, I have them as a. Right about average, you know, I think that's clearly where they're vulnerable, but there's a a key injury. They got Darius, but they, one of their stud uh, linebackers whose name I always mispronounce. I apologize for that. He's, he's hurt. I don't know if he's going to play. If he does play, he's not going to be a hundred percent. And he's like their leading tackler. That's a big loss. Okay.
1: Okay. And so it's uncertain if he's going to play. So it's something to check coming up to game day. Correct. Okay, let me look. I think this got the game covered. So just to recap, Fez has a derivative bet on under seven and a half, laying up to minus 138, (laughs) hopefully less. He likes Pittsburgh. He thinks that the turnovers that Big Ben had maybe inclines the Steelers to run the ball, which we think is probably the better approach here. But you're not anxious. You think these points are somewhat valuable Because of the weather, because of low scoring, but you still, you know, I think if you like the Jags, you take the money line, but you actually like Pittsburgh. So we know some people are going to bet the Jags. So the question is, if you do, how do you bet it? Um, Let's talk about Brown. What's your sense of Brown at wide receiver? I think him being on the field is vital, right? Because now you either got to double him. And if he's 85%, he probably won't be very productive, but at least he's getting doubled. If you're a Pittsburgh fan. And if he gets single covered, even at 85, he's going to be very effective. So him being on the field seems mighty important. I also think uh, Schuster and Bryant really benefited from Brown being out a handful of games, allowing them to have to step up a little bit. Now, when Schuster gets the second cornerback instead of the first, and Bryant's getting the third instead of the second, they should be ready to go.
2: Yeah, it's a great point. And, over the course of the season, both of these guys have had to play as the number two and even the number one wide receiver. So even if Brown and I would love to know how healthy he actually is, that's really the one question that's going to be unanswered until we see him running around. But you nailed it. As long as he's out on the field, even if he's only 50, 60 percent, you can use him as a decoy for at least half the game. And that should open up the other two wide receivers to go ahead and have their spots on third down. I don't think they're going to be throwing very often on first down in this game.
1: Two games down, both the Sunday games. Two, oh God, Fest.
2: I think it's Pavlovsky, the the linebacker from Penn State that plays for Jacksonville. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to say Pavlov's dog. You were going to talk about some uh, psychological study or something. Marvis Lewis. I'm not good with the name. <laughs> well, you're good at the numbers. We know that much. No doubt about it. All right. Both of the Saturday, or I'm sorry, Sunday games down. We got two Saturdays to go. First, though, The one and only commercial break of the show. Bet DSI, they do advertising, extensive advertising with Podcast One. We are on the Dream Preview, the Podcast One platform. Bet DSI has been in business over 20 years and they get an A-plus rating from the various review sites. And let's be candid. If you're listening to the dream preview, you've got some sports knowledge. And if you're betting, you might as well have another out because that, that is very, very important. Now, getting paid is very important, right? So if you have an extra out and you're getting paid, you're in pretty good shape. Easy to use mobile playing interface. And obviously, that DSI has all of the football, including the props, including the in-game. But now we're moving towards the season where it's basketball, it's other sports, it's politics, reality TV, the Oscars, and they've got pretty much everything. And here's the special, guys. Use the promo code DREAM25 and get $25 wager just for registering. If you decide to deposit, you'll get a 200% bonus match on your money. I personally know multiple people who play and recommend BetDSI. And let's be honest, when you play, it does add excitement to the games. So go to betdsi.com, use promo code DREAM25 and get a free $25 wager on the house. And 200 extra bonus when you deposit. That's DREAM25 to get your free wager and start playing today. And we also have a new sponsor joining us we like to welcome True Car as a supporter of the Dream Preview. If you're looking to buy a car, you probably are familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. I don't, but I think I can guess. Manufacturer, I think, something, something price. But what does it actually mean? And many of you have the same questions about invoice and list price and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody, even a
2: wise guy. Fez, you know all those terms? I know MSRP. What's that? That's manufactured suggested retail price. There we go. Too much. Don't pay that.
1: But you don't know all of them. No. See, even a wise guy. And let's be honest. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing true price from true car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories before you even get to the dealership. True car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if the true price is a great price? Because true car shows you what other people paid for that same car that you want. And your certified dealers know this. So they set their true price competitively so they can win. I love that word, win your business. So when you're ready to buy, a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And oh, by the way, there's an asterisk. Some features not available in all states. The way I think about it is if it is available in your state, you know it's good value because some states you can't even get it. That's the end of the commercials. We're back. We've got two games to go. One of them is a double best bet, but not the first one. First one Titans, Patriots, Patriots favored by thirteen and a half in this game. Fez, Leaner like.
2: I passed this game, RJ. <laughs> I, I and I know there's only four games. I made this game thirteen. Here it's sitting on thirteen and a half, right basically where I made it. And I gotta tell you, the stats on these two teams season long are virtually identical, but I have so much respect in my ratings for New England making the right game decisions, especially in the playoffs. There's just no way I want to go against them in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And we're going to break this game down, but you know, this reminds me of a tweet I had last week that got, I would say it had more people confused. At least they seem to be than any tweet I've done in a long time. And I tried to clarify it and it still confused people. Let me hit, did you see this? Let me hit you with it. So this is what I said. And by the way, you can follow me for, if you want to be confused too, well, maybe some of the time. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. But hopefully not always. (laughs) Is I said, listen, there's four games. This was prior to last weekend. There's four games this weekend. If you play only one on Saturday and one on Sunday, you're playing half the games. That would be similar to playing eight games during a full NFL weekend. So the theory is, okay, you can't bet for profit unless the line is wrong. Now, listen, if you're betting for fun, doesn't matter, right? It's recreation. I'm going to go to a movie maybe tonight. I'm going to go see that Molly's game. It's a poker movie. I'm interested and excited about that. I will have less money leaving the theater than I had coming in, especially if I get popcorn. Doesn't mean I didn't have a good time. I'm paying for my recreation. Some better, some listeners are going to be like, hey, RJ, we're going to take your advice there and there, but not here and not here because we, it's just not worth it. It's just like losing weight. Everybody knows how to lose weight. Hey, by the way, is this for free? Okay. If you want to lose weight, it's really, and again, it's really simple is eat a lot of fruit and vegetables and exercise a lot. That's it. You're going to lose.
2: Okay. You can open. It's
1: free, but it's hard. So we can sit here and say, Oh, don't play any playoff game unless the line's wrong. And don't play the Monday night games and be careful with the teasers that aren't advantage teasers. And don't use these car, these parlay cards. The question is, if someone's going to be 10 pounds overweight, so that's your goal. If you're not trying to be a professional guys, Try to be the guy with the little, the dad bod, right? The little pot belly that maybe has, as I think you fair, you know, if you lost five pounds, you'd be a
2: dad bod, I think. I think lose 15 pounds and I'll have, I'll be good with the dad bod then.
0: I am Elmer J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht.
2: See, but you got it covered. But I'm spending too much time (laughs) running around town. Looking at things like parlay cards, boy, I want to get a 14 and a half on a parlay card here. But, but here's the
1: point is the guy that's 10 pounds overweight when he's 50, let's say, probably works out three days a week, but not six. And he probably eats two or three desserts a week, but not seven. And there's no, it's not all or nothing. Meaning if you want to be physic, if you want to be a professional, right? You've got to follow all the rules and you're going to be like Tom Brady, right? Never have a beer drinking, you know, kale pajamas as Colin says (laughs) and all that stuff. But the only choice isn't that or being a complete loser doing all the loser moves. You can say, okay, from listening to the dream preview from pregame.com, I understand the basics of what to do. I'm going to do this 70% Cause it's not that hard for me, but this 30 is just too hard. I've got to play every Monday night game and I wish you didn't, but I respect it. And it's so much better than not listening to any of the advice.
2: I'm going to give you a wise guy secret RJ that you're going to disagree with. And then you're going to agree with, oh, okay. You should bet every game in the NFL. It's plus EV. Do you know why? I mean, are you talking about all the derivatives and all that? No sides are totals. You should have a bet on every one. And it's plus EV. I got to be honest with you. 10, oh, nine. I got to be honest with
1: you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm i going to edit that one second. I got to be honest with you. I have no idea what you're going to say right now.
2: All right. So obviously on my really good games, I might bet thousands on. But I should bet $10 to $20 on every side and every total. And here's why. Just having a betting stake on a game for 10 or $20, will give me the extra incentive to really dig into watching the game going back, looking through combing through the box score, looking at the NFL rewind whether it was the right or the wrong side and I'll learn so much more about the teams that that slight negative EV that week will be made up for in subsequent weeks. Now,
1: let me come over the top. It's an interesting point and I think that point is very valid if you are engaged in a game you are going to learn more from that game. And and the other side of that point is don't just root. If you have a bat, even if it's a big bat, yeah, you're going to root. You're a human, but you should be objectively watching the game. Right? So it almost is like, if you have too big of a bat, you're going to only be rooting. Right? It's like, if you've got a year salary on a roulette spin and it's red, you're not thinking about, am I learning anything about the way the guy's spinning the wheel? You're thinking red, 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 red. Right? So I think if the bet's too big, you got to really be careful that you don't just root instead of, walk, instead of analyze, right? But I also think, though, your point isn't great for the $50 batter. So let, we got a lot of better. Listen, the average bet, there was an online book about 10 years ago, and uh, they put out their numbers, and they said their average bet was like $22. But let me be clear, it was their median bet. So half the bets were smaller, half the bets were bigger. Difference between mean and median is the big bets didn't skew it up. So median was twenty-two. If you're a twenty-two-dollar better, right? So half the people are betting that or less. There's no amount that you're going to care about that would be a tiny portion of your ten thousand versus. 50 or whatever. So if someone bets 25 cents on the game, which would maybe be the same, they can't care. You care about, I mean, listen, I've seen you try to avoid paying for appetite. No, no, no. But (laughs) most handicappers are like that. You're not. But let's be candid. You care about 20 bucks, right? Sure. So you've got the benefit of it being this tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of your overall bankroll. Thus, it's just engaging you but it's still an amount you care about because you can go to lunch on it and eat a really nice lunch. If you're betting only $22 a game, you can't bet small enough to care and still be engaged.
2: Correct. And what I find like in the NBA, which I'm starting to dig into with my handicap is if I just bet $10 in every game across the board, I know exactly what I played. I played Indiana. I laid four, I laid one Oh two for $10. And now, when I go back to the box scores and I go back and do my analysis, it's almost so. Like- you're
1: just repeating exactly what you said, but I just it just
2: clicks. It. it just clicks, and I just-
1: understand for me. But you works. understand for the casual fan?
2: Yes, they have to bet or the casual money, they have to bet like fifty cents. Yes. Once again, it is R.J. Bell.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> you got your grin there, didn't you? I did.
2: <laughs> it's a great
1: point, though, and you know what's funny? And maybe we'll do this next football season. In our contest section, we could have a forced 15 games a week or for something where we would have to make it where you could pass a few games if it was a full week because during, obviously, or maybe force you to just play some totals, maybe 16 picks a week the whole season, and it will be like a super high volume, obviously, contest. But then you can actually be rooting for yourself without really risking any money and getting some of that same phenomenon as in having some rooting interest that keeps you engaged in the game.
2: And the ultimate uh, challenge have to bet both sides and the over and the under for the same amount. Could I make a profit by market timing? That would be very difficult, but I do think it's possible.
1: So that's interesting. If I, if I forced you, you could bet anywhere in town anytime during the week, but you had to make a hundred dollar bet on every side and every total in the NFL. What is your oh, What is your percentage chance of profiting at the end of the year?
2: I would put me as the underdog, but I could, I think I might be able to do it. As an example, we'll talk about the Eagles game. When Atlanta opened up minus two, I laid the two, not even because I liked Atlanta, but just because I felt confident, hey, I'm going to get a three on this game a little later in the week.
1: No, no, I agree. But I mean, obviously, there's no, um, all games don't do. And the fact, and guys, that's the real takeaway there is the idea that Fezzik, the best NFL handicapper in the world, in my opinion, and certainly the best, in my opinion, public handicapper. There's guys, if you're unaware of, how do you know, right? There's secret guys that are, some are really good. But amongst anyone that shares anything with anybody, Fezz is the best. But if he was forced to play every game, even though he could shop at 10, 12 different outs in town and have all these different points, like seven full days almost to bet, you still think you'd be a duck.
2: If I had to bet every one, yes.
1: Wow. See, I almost think I see on the total. I think on the side, if I had to bet every side. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. What am I thinking? You're better at the NFL than me. All right. But I did get you on that one. Okay. So (laughs) speaking of the Patriots, let's go through some questions in this game. Now let's cut to the chase at
2: 14.
1: Do you bet the Titans?
2: I did actually make a bet on plus fourteen because I was confident that that. Now, where
1: did you get a fourteen? Coast Properties. Okay, so they had a fourteen. Uh, where do you expect this number to close? Twelve point eight. So you think this? You think the pros come in if they can't get to fourteen, they're coming in at thirteen and a I half. I think
2: they'll take thirteen and a half. I think we'll see twelve and a half in the faraway places, offshore world. Thirteen, thirteen and a half in Vegas.
1: Now listen, some listeners have bookies that are gonna that are. Um, Big uh, favor. They juice up the favorite, So maybe 14 is going to be out there. But at 14, you do like the Titans.
2: Yeah, it's a take at 14. All right.
1: So let's talk about some of the big factors in the game. Distraction. ESPN put out a big re, uh, investigative piece. Patriots push back. I've got my thoughts on this. How does that handicap affect? How do you, does your handicap account for that in this game?
2: I never like distractions, but it's not a big factor because I think that although the ESPN report may largely be true and I don't believe the Patriots dismissing it, I think that they're so good. You look at all the distractions the Patriots have had with all the supposed scandals and problems they've had. It's never impacted their play on the field. So I think it is a very, very minor issue. I disagree. And here's my basic premise. Every other
1: distraction, possible distraction that we can remember, let's say from Spygate onward, has been from the outside. This is from the inside. And no one can explain why Garoppolo got traded other than the premise of the article, which is it was mandated. Now, people are saying that's not true, but the article says is Belichick did not want to trade Jimmy G and the owner of Kraft said, you must. Now what's the rationale for trading Jimmy G if that wasn't the case?
2: Well, his contract was up. You can't pay him and Brady in 2018.
1: Okay. So what has Belichick done? historic? I mean, do you have, I mean, are we right now from what you saw a grapple and let's be candid, do you think anything that we saw from Garoppolo publicly is something Bra- um, Belichick didn't
2: know. Would be very hard to believe. As right, good as so Belichick, Belichick
1: knew how good Garoppolo was. Next year, first start of the year, assuming Brady has a natural or let's say a Brady-esque drop from right now till the first game next year, which is he'll be you know six months older. It just doesn't matter if he's younger for his age than almost anyone in the history of the NFL. He's still six months older. Game one, who's the better quarterback next year? Is it clearly Brady over Garoppolo? Yes. So assuming Garoppolo has another whole off season to get better, assuming Brady drops off a natural amount for him in the next six months, where's Brady at one to thirty-two as quarterbacks, and where's
2: Garoppolo? They're both top seven. All right, so where's, let me ask you again. Five and six. They're right, one, one and All two. All right, so you said like Brady was clearly better. Maybe four and seven. He's clearly better week one. He'll get better during the offseason, but by week six or seven, Jimmy G will be better.
1: Okay, so you have a situation. I'm, everyone's not going to agree with that, but let's just say you think at the end of the first year that, that Brady's still five slots better. Brady might be five, and you think Jimmy G is going to only be 10, right? Which wouldn't be crazy. I mean, you have a special warmth. We'll call it that. You have a special affection, a manly affection for Jimmy G.
2: Yeah, but anyone who's watched Ted knows that all of us have that same affection for Tom Brady.
1: <laughs> so here, so here's the question is, even if you think you for one year, you're going to have a quarterback that's number five versus number 10, even those skeptic, Jimmy G skeptics will say the year
2: after Jimmy G is better. So what do you do if you're Belichick? If you had total control of the organization, well, Belichick has ice water in his veins. So and has no loyalty. You you, you jettison Brady to someone, at the end of the year to someone not in the AFC, and Jimmy G is your man. And maybe you have one year that you're not quite as good, and then you're better for the next five years.
1: So you don't trade him for a second round pick.
2: God no. All right.
1: So let me go back. If the story isn't true, as it was presented, that it was dictated by fiat from above then what's
2: the rationale for trading Jimmy G? There is no rationale. So the story's probably true.
1: Good. Now, how is Bella? What has people, you know, Colin said something that I really disagreed with. in this week he said, why would Belichick go somewhere else when he's got the dream situation in New England with the co or I'm sorry, with the ownership relationship? Yeah. He has for all these years. Right. And remember, Kraft is a guy that ran off parcels in a way because he was trying to butt his nose way back in the late 90s into football decisions. Belichick came back and said, only way I can do this is if I get to run football. Now, after being the most successful coach in modern NFL history, you're getting that taken away from you at a time when John Gruden's getting paid 100 million dollars. When he hasn't coached in the league for a decade, and his last five years coaching is below 500?
2: That would stick in my craw, seeing that deal for Gruden. If I'm Belichick, I mean, I don't I'd almost be like, has no one realized how good I am? And how does Kraft redeem himself? What'd you say? okay, I
1: promise I'm never going to stick my nose in again, except how in the hat, apparently the mandate is we'll draft a quarterback and get him ready to back, you know, to replace Brady.
2: Oh, that's easy. The Browns do that every three years. No problem.
1: And think about it. And let's be honest for a second. Every other quarterback that Belichick has drafted during Brady's career has been, and let's let Brissett be an open issue, but they traded him. They didn't get very much for him, right? A, a, A high draft choice wide receiver that was a bust by some people's assessments, you know, obviously not go- hasn't exceeded expectations. So the question becomes, what's the chance of, Bra- I mean, they hit, they, they, they really hit the mother load with Garoppolo and then now he's somewhere else. Like how, I don't see the scenario. If this story's true and it seems like it is, I don't see the scenario that Belichick stays. Now, I know the odds say that he's going to stay like, I think you could have gotten 14-1 to that he wouldn't be the coach next year. I don't bet offshore,
2: but I would have bet that. We're on the same train as far as the long-term repercussions, that this is really going to be a problem moving forward into 2018 and 2019. if, if,
1: If you get a sense that there's a real chance that Belichick's leaving and you hear things like, oh, the assistant coaches, he's always been really difficult when it comes to letting them interview and all this stuff. And it just, he hasn't been uh, supportive. They say about, especially during the season with assistants, getting a head job. And now apparently he's coaching them up on how to get the job and, and just making it. It's almost like both coordinators are leaving. It would seem like to likely be getting head jobs. So now you've lost Jimmy G. You lost both coordinators. You don't trust the owner anymore. Brady's running around as the story represents like a prima donna,
2: with more power than you. You still have an 18 inches of snowfall. Schools are closed blizzard. And you're on your bye week in the playoffs. And Belichick's saying, everybody plan to be on time. If you have to get a hotel room next to the stadium, we're practicing tomorrow.
1: But I'm not saying that, Bra- that Belichick and Brady aren't going to still prepare better than anyone else in the league. The question is... How is their preparation going to be relative to what it would be if there wasn't this factor?
2: I think it's, if you're betting against the Patriots, it's a free roll. Obviously it might not be that big of a, so you don't think it's in the line. I don't think it's in the line. Oh, it's definitely not in the line.
1: And if I said, what do you think the odds are that the prep is totally unaffected, that there's not a moment's distraction from this. Does that seem likely to you or unlikely?
2: Well, I've learned from past mistakes on these podcasts that I should be like a poker player and put a range of hands and instead of putting out my opinion saying, Oh no, they won't be distracted at all. I think it's much better that I can say there's a 75% chance that it won't be any significant distraction. And, but isn't that then a factor?
1: Cause if we assume a distraction could be, cause don't forget, it's not like, you know, Jordan's bulls never played a game seven, right? In, in the finals. They never were close to losing, though that Jazz series. You could say if they, you know, lose Game Six, they're going to be on the road on Game Seven. And if I remember, and sadly I think I do, that game was around Pickham, uh, The Game Six or so Game Seven would have been around Pick'em or so, you know. So, but still, never got to
2: Game Seven. The Patriots, every Super Bowl they've won and lost has been close. You know, I think I'm going to disagree with you on the bowls, not in the finals. I think they had plenty of Game Sevens, though in the conference championships that um, they were vulnerable. They could have been beat.
1: I think you're mixing up the years Jordan wasn't there or his first year. Back. I don't think
2: so. I'll go back and research. All
1: right, But either way is in the, in the time that in the finals, especially because every team's going to have some playoff games. Uh, if we're using the NFL now back to the one and done where, you know, it's rare for a team to just roll, roll, roll every playoff game. For a whole dynasty, right? So, but the Pats, it's been more than that. In these Super Bowls, I mean, obviously they could have lost the last two very easily, you know, against the Falcons against Seattle. They could have beat the Giants both times very easily. The Eagles ended up being a uh the margin of victory was less than um than the the real game, I think. They clearly beat the Eagles. But my point is even if the difference is just a little bit, isn't that little bit how they've won? And if the distraction is just a little bit, isn't that a real factor? Maybe not this week, but to win the Super wow, Bowl. That's
2: a great point because their margin of error, like you said, is so small. And I would argue even in the, in the AFC title games, I remember, you know, playing Baltimore and basically being beat where the Baltimore receiver can't remember his name. It's, he literally catches the yeah. ball and he starts to raise it up. We want, yeah. And it gets slapped away. And the
1: guy from him. missed the field the guy missed the field goal right after.
2: Yeah. So that's a great point that certainly and you know what? The statistical profile of this team, I know we're going to talk about that as well, is inferior to these other teams that just barely got it done by the thinnest of margins.
1: No, I and again, I'm not saying this is the only reason to bet against the Pats. And I'm not saying I'm anxious to bet against the Pats. I'm just saying that everyone talking about that this is going to help the team come together. No, this is, the, in my opinion, the first time the distractions from the inside. That's why the Vikings are going to be favorite in the Super Bowl. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Next question. Tom Brady's age. Now, I remember. Let's go back in time a little bit. Two and a half years ago, we were sitting in this same pregame office. Not as good mics. I didn't have my sound effects. Didn't have all the equipment that gives this beautiful sounding podcast. But you were in that same chair saying you thought Tom Brady was getting old. I said he's (laughs) going to be getting old. No, 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 no. You were saying Brady was getting old. Now it's two and a half years later. And you've got a very good point. If you look at last year, he played 12 regular season games. And older quarterbacks especially tend to drop off. As the season progresses, getting banged up, fatigue, whatever. Now, before the Jets game, Brady had thrown five straight interceptions. First time he had done that since, uh, I'm sorry, check that. Five straight games with an interception. He had six during that span. First time five straight games with an interception since 2002 in his career. It would seem That if you thought, huh, if he's going to start showing his age, and he is six months older now than he was, you know, August 1 or whatever, right? It's half a year. He's getting older. And he's beat. you know, every quarterback gets beat up. I've heard guys say he's looking down at his eye levels dropping a little bit. You know, guys that watch the tape. How much of a downgrade is Brady today relative to even the first game this season?
2: I would say... Probably a point and a half. And let me make my case. In 2016, as you know, he only threw two interceptions during the regular season. He only had to play 12 games. So we never saw a Tom Brady fatigued because he never played enough games to get fatigued. And he didn't face as many hits over the course of the season. Now this year, he's had to play a full season. And now he goes into the playoffs. Wow. We've seen it with elite quarterbacks before that looked fine going into 40. Peyton Manning, Brett Favre. Oh, these guys have just been able to maintain that level with no drop-off MVP uh, style play. By the time they're 41, they're basically packing their bags. They're done. It could happen to Brady as early as next year.
1: Okay, so you see that drop-off? Absolutely. Okay, so another factor. I, I think if you ask most people, casual batters, is Brady a pro And again, he's not a problem, but... Have they downgraded Brady? I would say no since the start of the year. The, the average casual batter.
2: They have not. You know, one thing about Tom Brady, and especially in the playoffs, though, if you breathe on Tom Brady, you're going to get flagged for a personal foul. That is a big advantage for him versus a Cam Newton or someone else in the league.
1: Last que- big question in the game. The Patriots would have the worst defense statistically as any Super Bowl winner in history if you look at the yardage, they've given up a ton of yards more so at the beginning of the year, but even throughout the rest of the year, not, not great. Or, or, you know, in the, in the low or I guess high twenties, you would say. So the bottom eighth of the league, maybe. And they've gotten a little bit better, but yardage wise, not good at all. Their points have gotten much, much better. So the question is, is that, ballot being a magician and yeah, he can give up a bunch of yards, but you're still not going to score against them. Or is this another example when you have a bigger sample size, which is all those plays in the net yard, the yards per play on defense, et cetera. And then you've got scoring, which has a lot of kind of four point plays. You either throw third and three for the touchdown or you don't. And it's a four point play has the have the Pat's gotten very lucky on those kind of scoring plays, or is there some magic that Belichick's doing that he can give up a bunch? He's the first coach in history that can consistently give up a bunch of yards, but have a good scoring defense.
2: It's the magic of Belichick. And we saw that last year where their overall stats weren't very good and they led the league in scoring defense. He is the King when his opponent has a third and 18 of giving up 15 yard plays, which hurts the overall stats, but obviously helps the scoring defense stats. Another reason for some optimism, remember for the first half of the year, the Pats were given up over six yards per play on defense. It was like right around 6.2. Now they're at 5.7. So clearly in the second half of the season, they've made some great corrections. So they're all
1: the way up to number 31.
2: Well, but the second half of the year, they're an above, I would argue they're an above average, statistically at least an average, if not better than average defense.
1: Wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on a second. So... At what point do you want to break? What was the point where you were saying 6.1? How many games was that?
2: I think like week seven or week eight, and they were still above six yards per play, 6.2 that they were given up.
1: Okay. So they've picked up. Um, so 6.2. So let's say they picked up a half a yard on the rest of the year, which means let's say they're a half year. So they would be 5.2 then. And that's an above average defense. So 5.2 would be, okay.
2: Now the naysayers will say, but that's a cupcake strength of schedule. They got to play those division games against the bad offenses of the Jets, Miami and Buffalo.
1: And on the season, new England strength of schedule number 25 using Sagarin. And I'll tell you this, I agree with you. Belichick is consistently better his teams are better than their stats and you've got to assume there's just In fact. It's not even assumed you've got to know there's something Belichick's doing. That's not showing up in the stats. We got to figure out, you know, to some degree, if we could crack that code, it would tell you a lot more about other teams, right? Even so though, this year, they're only 0.2 net yards per play. Last year, they were
2: 0.6. Now that doesn't sound like a big difference, but as you and I think it is, Yeah, so there's two ways to look at that. You can say, oh, they've regressed by 0.4 yards net per play. Not that big of a difference. Or alternatively, you can say that their net yards per play differential got three times, was three times better last year than it is this year. It was 0.6. Now it's only 0.2. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it
1: feels like that we're kind of saying, yeah, but last year, But it's not yet, but last year. They're significantly worse statistically. And Brady's older. Brady's playing four more games. And this was a team that was one one tip pass interception away from getting blown out in the Super Bowl. Now, they have such... Let me check that. Because they have such mental toughness, even if somehow... The Falcons would have scored one more time when they were up. I still think Pats would have fought back. I don't think they could have came back and won. I'm not sure they would have gotten blown out, but they would have been beat, you know, fairly clearly in the Super Bowl. And now we're thinking they're such a they're two to one. They're such a big favorite now, and they're you know historic type two touchdown spreads against playoff teams. I mean, isn't this team just plain overrated? This Patriots
2: team. Well, how can you say that? What's there against the spread record? Uh, for the year was a 10, five and one. How can they be overrated if they're covering two thirds of their games? Isn't that our definition of is a team overrated against the spread record? Yeah, you're right. I keep, that's a good point.
1: I, I, I just, I guess there's another level to what Belichick's doing even beyond. I mean, like I kind of understand he's going to be better than his stats, but you would think when the stats drop off, then that, that, that marginal difference he's adding with his magic Somehow he's making that marginal difference even bigger to keep the same level. You
2: know, I know you hate when I just bring up one play, but it, it absolutely shows why Belichick is so valuable. End of the first half, it's 14 to three Kansas City. There's 10 seconds left. They have the ball on the Titan 10. If they're playing the Patriots, there is no chance they're getting in the end zone. The Patriots defense will mug all the receivers. Yeah, they'll probably get flagged five times and Kansas City kicks a field goal. But not the Titans. They're unaware of this. They just play their base defense. Touchdown, seven points for the Chiefs. That's a four-point differential on one play due to bad coaching.
1: Fez got that in. He loves it. All right, guys. So I think the opinion here is lines about right at 14 value on the Titans. One game left. Two best bets.
0: Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess.
1: Eagles at home, plus three, number one seed, division round, backup quarterback, plus three, number six seed Falcons, favored by three,
2: best bet. Best bet on the Eagles. You know, this one is easy, RJ. Back when we, this line came out, we were doing our national show straight out of Vegas. Well, speaking of that, let's take a minute with that. Straight out of Vegas, Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight.
1: That's right. That's Pacific time, and that's on Fox National Radio, 330 stations, series 83, 11 o'clock Pacific to midnight on Fridays. Obviously, 2 to 3 Eastern time, and an extra hour, Saturday night, 10 to midnight, three hours later on the West
2: Coast. On that show, you asked me, Steve, what's this line going to be on this game? And I said, you know what? I make the line two, but if I was a bookmaker to get balanced action, I would make it three because Atlanta's such a darling of the wise guys and the public. Now they love to bet the Falcons and there'll be a point spread tax. So we blink, here we go, midweek, and this line is three. You've got an extra one point of value. Doesn't sound like a lot, but when it's on, that's so important. Three, I really think there's solid value here. And really there might be more value than that because I don't think that the market is pricing enough. It's pricing how well the Falcons played to get into the playoffs and how well they played at the Rams, but it's not pricing the mental and physical fatigue of playing four out of their last five games on the road. Ne- well, this
1: would be their fourth out of five, different. right?
2: Needing each and every game to make the playoffs and then needing it to win at the Rams to continue in the playoffs I don't like flying back from the West coast to Atlanta. And here's my crazy uncle, uh, handicap as well. Probably a complete non-factor. I don't like the fact that they won on Saturday, flew all the way back to Atlanta Sunday. And then Sunday and Monday, the national title game in college was in Atlanta. I think there was a lot of parties and I bet some of these Falcons had a good time on Sunday and Monday night there,
1: which is playing Nick Foles is if you were playing, going to Minnesota or something, maybe you treat it a little bit differently, but maybe you stay out a little
2: later because you figure, hey, it's Nick Foles. Well, they know they're favored and they know they went to the Super Bowl. So certainly the Falcons should be confident. That experience is worth a great deal. It's probably worth a point and a half to have all that. But in the meantime, Nick Foles, who's played terrible the last two weeks, uh, he's had two weeks off now to prepare solely for this game.
1: So the guys on the Dan Patrick show asked me, what would the line have been if Wentz was playing? I was a little conservative because I think Atlanta does get a lot of love. I think the line would have been about six. Now, you know, the Rams game got bet down to what that close five and a half. Yes. So let's say, okay, Atlanta gets upgraded. One Philly's probably one and a half points better. So I think it would be six. I've heard other people I respect say it'd be seven, seven and a half.
2: I think seven, because you got to give them an extra point for the buy it's that alone. And, but don't you- they get the, I'm saying relative to this line. So
1: let, let's not over debate. Sure. Let's call it seven to keep around number. So now it's three. So it's a 10 point adjustment. So Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player in NFL history. And his adjustment in week one was 10 points. And he had a really bad quarterback.
2: Quarterback well, Scott oh, Tolzien's and companies. Well, yes.
1: I, I'm talking about this year. It was a 10 point adjustment mm-hmm. and maybe really bad. But Hundley at best was considered to be an average backup. I think let's forget what we saw, which I think he was worse than we expected. But what we expected was maybe you could say Hundley was the 12th best backup in the league. Nick Foles, we estimated to be the fifth best backup in the league in the top five. Agreed? Agreed. Before the injury. And so now we're saying, wait a minute. If Aaron Rodgers has an inferior backup relative to Foles, and Aaron Rodgers Packers line adjustment for his absence was 10 points. How can it be 10 points for Wentz with a superior backup, which means literally Wentz is more valuable than Aaron Rodgers.
2: Doesn't make sense. And what also doesn't make sense is remember, Foles, sat out part of that game against the Cowboys. We debated how much is Foles worth versus third string quarterback, Nate Sudfeld, who is probably comparable to these stiffs that green Bay has been playing when Rogers got hurt. And we said, Oh, there's going to be a, I said, we're going to, I'm going to make a five point adjustment down to, to Sudfeld. So if I'm making a five point adjustment, clearly Foles has to be at least a pretty competent backup quarterback and a seven point adjustment. Sure. Nine, 10 points, no way.
1: Okay, so you keep saying, oh, the line should be two. I, John Kincaid, a uh, radio host in Atlanta, he asked me the night of the Falcons win over the Rams on Twitter, hey, RJ, what's the line? What's your projected line? I said, I think it's Pick'em. And obviously, I was way off on that. Um, and I also knew at the time, because I had bet the Falcons last week, that I felt like this was their statement game. It's like everyone's saying now, oh yeah, this is the day. well. Why didn't we see this? You know, good stats, playoff experience. It's like wow, this is a week late on the Falcons, right? They were getting six and a, you know six and a half at some point last week against the Rams team. Now the line is 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 swinging literally ten points from there. So you telling me the Rams, if they had one, would be coming in here? and they, the Rams would be six or six and a half in this game? No way. Well, I'm confused because the Rams were <laughs> three and a half or four points better if you consider the Rams having
2: less of a home field. If you wanted to bet on your Falcons, you should have listened to R.J. Bell last week and taken them six and a half when they were out in la-la <laughs> land against the Rams instead of paying a complete premium tax because everyone saw – that game. You know what? I'm saying the, uh, the Falcons are at the high point right now in the public's mind. And the Falcons just had a game. Remember the book on the Falcons is they usually have great stats and the games are really close. Well, last week, their stats weren't even great. They got handed two special teams, turnovers. They actually got outstatted by the Rams, but won the game by 13 points.
1: And you got to wonder about Sarkeesian. He, he really, it was a perfect, well, not perfect, but everything or many things fell. I hate using extremes, is many things foul the Falcons' way. So you got to wonder against the number, if you look at DVOA, a very respected sabermetrics measure, the, the, the Eagles have the best defense in the NFL. So the idea this, and, and, and you've got a Schwartz defensive coordinator that's a mighty good DC. So the idea of those two dueling in a close game, and I'm getting three and I'm at home. I mean, if Foles is as bad as he seems, then I think this is a free roll. If Foles is as bad as he seems, like, like horrible, then three is probably right. If Foles is
2: anywhere better than he seems, that's all pure value. And this is the weird case where you would think if you're an Eagle fan, you want really bad weather to hurt the Atlanta Dome team. But let's face it, Foles was really bad his last two games when he played in really bad weather against the Raiders and against the Cowboys. So maybe it being 50 degrees will help him in his um, approach. And clearly it might be in his head that that weather was impacting him, but you nailed it. It's a free roll. If falls is terrible, the line should be three. If he's just average, clearly you have value in my power ratings. If this game was on a neutral site without any fatigue factors, I'd only make Atlanta a four point favorite, but Atlanta's fatigued. And Philly is home. And that's why I've been very good over the course of the year. This three is unsustainable, RJ. You got to bet at midweek, come game day, this line's going to come back down to the two or I one wo- and a half, I, I believe. Strongly I
1: wonder, believe. because usually in the regular season, the wise guy money, even though it's not the majority of the money in the NFL, it's the only sport I think where it's not, is it will still move a line because – the bookmakers don't aren't afraid to be a little bit lopsided if they feel like they're on the right side. In this case, though, so, there's so much public money in the, the, the division round, and there's so much love for Atlanta in general. This game's going to be bet, I think, more than any other because it's going to be so much Atlanta money. I got a feeling it's going to be kind of like the Super Bowl where the bookmakers won't want to be that out of whack.
2: And do you really think that that the public on game day is not going to be betting Atlanta minus three? Well, they'll be betting Atlanta no matter what the number is. But the game stays on Saturday at one thirty, There's a oh, zillion yeah. college basketball games for them to bet as well. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Come
1: on, Fez. You think the people aren't betting? The, the they're not going to
2: bet the Falcons game because they're betting some college basketball game. They're going to just come, back. Just say, I, I no, get it. no, I don't get it because they're going to come to the book with a thousand dollars and they're going to bet. You
1: do realize Vegas is 1%, you know, of the handle everyone else is on account.
2: Everyone else is going to bet some college basketball games. If this had been a Sunday night game, standalone, everyone would put all of their money on Atlanta. And I really feel the public would be able to move the line more. If it was a Sunday night, late game.
1: Maybe so, but they're still gonna move the
2: line here. No, that's true. We'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting disagreement. I've got a dinner bet with you that you will not be able to get a plus three lay a dollar ten anywhere in Nevada right before this game kicks off.
1: But it's not plus three, minus one ten now. Sure
2: it is. It's everywhere. You can go to the South Point, you can go you know, even offshore you can get a plus three. It was at Bookmaker today.
1: It it was one ten, one ten at Bookmaker yes, today. Yes. <sighs> I know it's not going to go, up. Uh, how's this, uh, you know, I'm going to pass on that. I, But I'll tell you this, if, and I'll say it quickly because I don't want to belabor the point. If I could have a, a plus three minus 120, I'd take it. Anywhere in town, plus three minus 120 within one hour of the game. Yeah, and, and you'd probably be right. All right, so I think we're splitting hairs to some degree. Right. Um, but I tend to agree with you. I don't see it going up. So if you can get a plus three minus one ten, probably grab it when you can. Like the Nicholson. What is this is as good as it gets. There it is. Yes, go. It is. OK, well, I was about a psychotic <laughs> that bought someone's love. That's an interesting movie if you watch it in hindsight. <laughs> All right. What's our last points on this game? We talked about fatigue. It was a West Coast trip. We talked about foals. Um, you know, I,
2: I want to talk about the total, okay. because the Atlanta D, one reason that the Sharps are loving Atlanta lately, that defense, which improved greatly over the course of the year last year, has really gotten good. A lot of it's the secondary. And let me just read off what they've held some of their opponents to. They played a really strong strength of schedule down the road. Minnesota, 14 points. New Orleans, 17. Tampa Bay, 21. Uh, New Orleans, again, 23. Carolina, 10. Rams 13. That's a really good defensive performance given that strength is scheduled down the stretch.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. But I do think, I mean, would you agree the Rams are the most or check that the Falcons are the most expensive right now? They've been all year.
2: Oh, clearly.
1: Yeah. And, and the Eagles are the cheapest.
2: Yeah. And the bookmakers didn't like Atlanta, but the wise guys did. Now the word is out. The wise guys like the Falcons and everybody is betting the Falcons. uh, As soon as lines come out.
1: All right, I think we've got this covered. Let me see. So, as we said, this is my best bet. Also, here's the last thing I'll say about this game. And I'll get your thoughts on this point, Fez. When there's a game that you're afraid to feel stupid, that's usually a good game to bet. Because I think everyone listening that's somewhat savvy can see Falcons are expensive. If this game were in Atlanta, the line would be 9 you know, should the line really be nine? Is the difference between the, you know, there's a lot of ways to see the value, you know, is it could Wentz possibly be worth more than Aaron Rodgers? I mean, no one's going to debate that the line would have at least been worth six, six if Wentz was healthy and it's now three. So the idea that Wentz to Nick Foles is as big as Aaron Rodgers to Hunley, it just doesn't make any sense. But here's why most people won't bat it. It if Foles comes out and throws three interceptions and the Falcons win by 14, they're gonna feel stupid. And if the if somehow Foles wins, it's gonna probably be slot. Like the way you lose betting Atlanta is gonna feel like you got a bum deal. You know, a turnover. They run the ball really well. Smart. You know, they're playing old Giants Parcells football type. But if you lose with Philly, you could feel like an idiot. And most people will try anything not to feel like an idiot.
2: Yeah, it's a great point that if you win your bet, if you bet Philly, you're probably going to win by a small margin. You could lose by a lot. I mean, Foles could be terrible and you could get smashed. And I think it goes back to... And if you lose with Philly... It's going to be obvious why you lost. You were an idiot to bet, bet on the worst quarterback. If you what lose, if you lose with Atlanta,
1: it's going to be you're not going to be sure why not you much lost. You
2: can do about that. Yeah, who, you're going to make it. could
1: have expected exactly. that block
2: punt and the like? And I think that goes back to the public loves betting in the playoffs on the better team laying a small number, and that's why historically, and again, I apologize, I don't have the exact numbers, but just betting home teams in the playoffs. Catching points is a very profitable subset.
1: All right. Last thing on this game. I, I think that's very important is do it's almost like back to the diet, right? If it tastes too good, it's probably not good for you. <laughs> if it doesn't taste good, it's probably good for you. Well, same thing with batting. If it's easy to bet a team, that means other people are betting them. And it means most likely they're expensive. You know, I didn't do a good job reading the sharp money. So l- let me go back real quick and read the sharp money. For everybody. Um, saints Vikings. We did go over this. Um, I'm going to just read it verbatim. Took one $8,000 bet to make four on the Vikings money line. Otherwise even money line action over the counter, which is square is split. 92% of the wagered on account, which is sharp on Minnesota, but a low handle biggest bet. So, so far 5,000. That's from CG technology on Viking saints on game. Number two, Jag Steelers huge one-sided action on Steelers spread and money line on account and over the counter. So sharps and squares on Pittsburgh Steelers by far biggest liability of the weekend so far. Now remember this is Wednesday night. Things can change. Took a $25,000 bet and 50,000 bet on Steelers already. And it's only Wednesday as he Matty Holt wrote. Okay. Game three, Titans, Patriots. Equal action on money line means big money line liability on Titans. Two times more money wagered on Patriots by the squares, two times more money wagered on Titans by the sharps. So a little bit of a sharps versus squares there, leaning towards the Titans. Then finally, on our best bet, 97% of the money wagered on Moneyline on Falcons, okay? Four times more money wagered by the squares on the Falcons. Okay, so we're not with the squares. What? Two and a half times more money wagered on Falcons from the Sharps? Square.
2: Now, I know. Let me I uh, Go ahead, Well, I'm one of the sharps that laid two on atlanta as we discussed earlier i think this is all about cgt opening this game two and then two and a half so the sharps the pros gobbled up laid it once it hit three that's when the pros came in and took the three well not yet it
1: would seem so at cg but that is a good point we can only tell you what we know as of now and when you do look at the Sharps versus squares or up dot pregame.com. When you look at the game center and you look at the bet count and the bet amount or the ticket count and the bet amount. And we're, we're the only place that has it for free. The cash numbers on the internet. The only place is you only got the betting up to this point. You've got to consider what lines were bet prior. So if a line was one and a half, two, two and a half, and it was a bunch of favorite action, but now it's three. If you're betting at three, the question is where are the sharps at three? As of now sharps on the Falcons. I think I'm pretty confident. You check Sunday up a pregame.com. You're going to see more cash relative to tickets on this Eagles team.
2: You know, and that's every year you learn something new and I got to be, make the admission. I never really looked at these um, sharps versus the public and the breakdowns. And it's really a great tr- tool at pregame. Absolutely free to utilize, especially the day of the game.
1: Absolutely. All right, guys, good stuff. Should have Maddie back next week. We didn't do anything with the colleges this week, starting next week, college basketball podcast. That will be out Wednesday morning and Obviously, we'll be talking conference championships Thursday morning. You can follow me on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Follow Fez on Twitter, at Fezik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. That's F-E-Z-Z-I-K, at Fezik Sports. Talk to you there.
0: Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Can't get enough golf? Podcast 1 is the new home of Golflandia with Matthew Wiley every Monday all season long. Tune in to hear Matt talk predictions, tournament recaps, and interview guests from in and around the world of PGA and Euro golf. He'll even talk business, branding, and family life because it all relates to golf. Download episodes of Golflandia every Monday exclusively on podcast1.com, the new Podcast 1 app, and Apple Podcasts.